G'day, and welcome to the Whiskey Roundtable podcast. During their 2020 lockdown, four whiskey friends based out of Sydney, Australia, started a weekly live show to help keep themselves sane and entertained. Bringing on special friends, guests, and experts from all over the world, in 2021, we're expanding that weekly live show into a podcast. G'day guys, I'm Alexandra Dallenberg or Whiskey Culture. Uh, I'm the New South Wales Operations Manager for the Speakeasy Group and also Viking Queen of Mjolnir in Sydney. Hey guys, I'm Andrew Milne, originally from the UK, but now living in Australia with the rest of this gang. I run the marketing here for International Whiskies and Agave for South Trade International. Hi, I'm Matt Bailey, the National Ambassador for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. And I'm Scott Fitzsimons. Whiskey and Spirits Educator at the Oak Barrel in Sydney, Australia, Editor of WhiskeyArden.com.au and Founder of WhiskeyMerch.com.au. These podcasts are edited from the weekly live show, which you can watch back at Facebook.com slash WhiskeyRoundtable. Things can get a little bit loose and a little bit rowdy sometimes, so I do apologise if the audio trips over itself sometimes. Whiskey time, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and what a week it has been for whiskey, and what a week it is for me as well, because this is the last thing I have to do before I go on holidays for four days. So, ladies and gentlemen of the internet, internet bots that we pay to pump up the numbers on this stream, welcome to another edition of Whiskey Roundtable, where we take a look at the week that was, we look at all the really important questions, but we answer all the ones that no one's asking. It has been a big week in whiskey, and this episode, although it carries a little bit of the hallmarks of what we intended to do this week, doesn't exactly look like we had intended this week, because our dear friend and member of the panellist, Alex Dahlenberg from Whiskey Culture, was meant to be travelling through Victoria and visiting distilleries up into the Riverina and Murray area of New South Wales, but unfortunately... Unfortunately, she is back in her very nice bar, I will admit, uh, because of lockdown and fleeing and all that sort of thing. Um, before we get too much further into this, there has been, I want to touch on something that we spoke about last week very quickly, uh, and that is the the fundraiser, the, the GoFundMe for uh, Greg Longmore um, and, and his family, who was uh, unfortunately quite badly injured in the, the fire at Adams Distillery. Happy to say that that fundraiser is now at $95,000 or just, just a touch over as, as we go live. Um, and this has been mentioned quite quite a lot and spread around on social media, but I do want to do a shout-out uh, to Lark, to Callington Mill Distilleries, who've each donated $10,000 to that cause, and to uh, to Birdie and the team at the Whiskey Club that chucked in five grand. So that's not necessarily breaking news, but we should definitely recognise that. But even though Alex can't be around some of the distilleries, we've brought one of the distilleries to us in the virtual form this week, and we have... Dean Druce from the Corowa Distilling Company with us uh, tonight to talk all things whiskey. He's fresh off a Channel 9 news break, uh, but I am going to read, as always, the email signature of Dean Druce because that's how you get to know a person the best, if you can understand what they put in their email signature. So uh, Dean Druce's email signature reads as a good-looking good rooster, pretty good bloke, half-decent midfielder for the Mighty Roos, and, yes, I know that Ruckman and centre-half forwards aren't technically midfielders, but in the modern game they are. Also says, Managing Director of Corowa Distilling Co., and that Lee Atwood from the Backwoods Distilling Company uh, taught me all I know. So, Dean, you've been mentioned a few times in the stream in the past 12 months, but welcome. Finally, you have the right of reply. Uh, welcome to the stream. 
in my glass tonight is Kilhoman Autumn 2009. Um, bit old school, but um, I love Kilhoman because I learned how to make whiskey at Kilhoman. So uh, nice little uh, throwback there. And um, yeah. Also, Dean, I've just got to say, from this angle, uh, on on for those watching the video stream of this, you have a reasonably normal sized head. Uh, you don't have the head the size of a beach ball, as Robbie Tucknot mentioned online earlier today. I was yeah, expecting look. to have to adjust the screen. Yeah, I was expecting yeah. to adjust the one. <laughs> if you look, listen to everything that Robbie, Robbie Tucknot had to say, um, you'd be forever trying to look around and question absolutely everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he's here at the moment. He's been living here for the past week. We are harbouring a fugitive. Um, I am sorry, Victoria. <laughs> they are here, but um, yeah, look. Robbie Tucknot, what what can you say? Uh, what a guy! <laughs> um, apparently, apparently, I said something otherwise than it's Wednesday today. I don't know what day I said it was, but I uh, thank you, Jesse, for for tuning in and picking me up on that one. Um, g'day to everyone who's tuning in to Lee Atwood from the Backwoods Distillery <laughs> to Jimmy 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 Finnegan, uh, who's coming in there, and uh, Anita as well, and everyone else that's watching. Um, you've got the killer. I remember that autumn 2019 release. That was a banger. I, I bought that from the Oak Barrel many years ago. I am polishing off, and I promise I will polish off because there's not a huge amount left in it, single barrel 250 from the Corowa uh, Distillery, as I put that into focus for the people watching on the live streams, uh, which is a bourbon into red wine heated barrel from memory. Yes. It is. It is. Alex, have you, in in your sad state of affairs and not being down there, have you dared to venture away from a half-sized bottle of Jack Daniels? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> um, I was planning on actually <clears throat> buying a shitload of whiskey from all the distilleries I was visiting and that was going to be my next couple of weeks of drinking whiskey. But at the moment it's still the 500ml bottle of Jack Daniels. Still waiting on sponsorship, P.S. Jack Daniels Australia. <laughs> 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 There's better bourbon options out there. Just you know, <laughs> like what? <laughs> oh, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you say Buffalo it's Trace, it's uh, you're just doing that, I think has, has won the most amount of awards. I think uh, it's uh, Buffalo uh, Trace. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's pretty good from what I from can. What someone I heard, mute him. You know, can I'm someone sorry back from, from can, other people? Can he be muted? Can we just mute that guy? I can't, uh. <laughs> Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that is Andrew Milne from South Trade and Buffalo <laughs> <Yeah>. Trace. <laughs> and I would like to make a public service announcement to anyone who does work for South Trade and Buffalo Trace or Jack Daniels and Brown Foreman that yes we are ready and willing to sell out for sponsorship money so anyone who's got do you know what beat it guys I've been trying for so long to get Jack Daniels <laughs> I've drunk enough in the world and I've poured enough into slushies for, for this this is my gig it's coming up for my gig guys. <laughs> who, who knew they apparently had integrity eh? yeah. <laughs> uh, Bailey what's in your glass mate I've just finished a uh, just a scotch and dry. Just I felt like something a bit of, a bit longer than usual sort of whiskey. So, and I used a, I did use twofold for it. So it's not scotch and dry. It's a Starwood twofold. So it's a Aussie and dry. I don't know. Whiskey and dry. Whiskey and dry. Call it that. Milne behind the bar. Call it. Uh, I'm drinking a, a blend, uh, James Eadie's uh, blend of whiskey. That's that's the peated one, isn't it? The trademark X. This this. It doesn't taste peated. It's an old batch. So um, either that or I've just had too many cookies and I can't taste peat now. It's tasting quite chocolatey, that's for sure. You're on the cookies, mate. Funky cookies. Oh, wow. Uh, Coffee dinner. 
know? after party at Oxford Street tonight, here we come. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, Dean, because you won that round of what am I drinking or what's in my glass tonight, do you want to tell us a little bit about Cora Distillery, how it started? I, I think you guys feel like you're a Victorian distillery, but technically you're a New South Wales one. But Cora, what, like, what's, what was 2020 like for you? And, and, you know, you're still very early in your journey, essentially. Yeah, so we, we definitely are uh, very early in our journey. Um, the our, our story goes back a long way. So um, the, the quick version is that we're – our family are the oldest organic farmers in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, we still own that farm today. We grow barley on it, wheat, all sorts of things. Uh, in 1994, we ran out of uh, – our flour mill broke down, so we had to find another flour mill. We found one in June, uh, bought that. Um, very quickly because we needed to make more flour. And then uh, we, yeah, wanted to make something more of ourselves than just uh, flour milling. So we turned it into licorice. Um, and then, like, licorice is good and some people like licorice. But what's better than – I hate licorice personally, um, but which is not great band, brand ambassadorship there. Um, but the one thing we did all like in our family was chocolate. So we decided we'd coat it in chocolate. So we bought a chocolate factory – coated it in chocolate and now we uh, we coat about 32 different uh, chocolate products uh, that was going really really well um, and then back on the the family farm we um, you know we're growing barley so we were enjoying uh, some good Australian whiskies and watching the the rise of the Australian uh, distilleries so we bought a place down in Coral which again was an old flour mill it had been abandoned for 40 years uh, we bought it for a dollar. Uh, and spent a few more dollars on it since. Uh, And, yeah, we've just sort of learnt how to make whiskey. I learnt how to make whiskey in Scotland at uh, Kilhoman and travelled around Scotland and uh, had a grand old time uh, with my old man. And, uh, yeah, that's a really quick version of it. Um, There's obviously a lot more to it, but um, we can get to that later on. We're we're big fans of Kilhoman on the stream. And Andy has mentioned in previous episodes how Anthony Wills uh, and you know, and the Wills family, who who started Kilhoman and, and own Kilhoman, have have a, a habit of yelling at, at Andy at, at various parts of their interactions. So, how do you, how do you, Dean Dean from Corowa in in Australia, get into Kilhoman and, and get them to teach you how to make whiskey? I uh, yeah, look. I have a, a quite a good friend uh, who owns, uh, um, who knows Anthony, and owns a few different uh, companies with him, uh, and some of the other owners at Kilhoman as well. He was uh, very good friends and was actually trying to buy into Kilhoman, uh, and at the time, so he just said, "Oh, do you want to go and learn how to make whiskey at Kilhoman?" And it's like saying, you know, as a chocolatier as well, you know, do you want to be Willy Wonka and go to the the magical land? Like it's just crazy. Yeah, yes, of course you're going to go and do that. That. So um, I packed up my bags and a week later I was in Scotland in the middle of uh, January, uh, yeah, learning how to make whiskey at Kilhoman. It was all very quick and all very surreal. So, um, yeah, it all happened really fast. How, how does one get that? How can I go? How can I do that? <laughs> you ask the right oh questions to the right people. That, was, and, that sounds like an amazing journey. Yeah. And you bribe them with whiskey and chocolate. That's always the best way to do things. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, once again, I'd like to mention that the Whiskey Roundtable podcast is ready to sell out um, if anyone is looking to, to bribes. Um, um, a, a, quick, a quick shout out to Jesse, who is maybe. Uh, 
who's on the on the Facebook chat live with us tonight who says a dry Aussie referencing the the Australian whiskey and dry maybe a Simpson. I think referencing Simpson the Simpson Desert. Simpson Desert there. That, that's a pretty good yeah, one. That's that. pretty good. Yep. Um, but he also that but he, he takes away any good points that he had by mentioning Licorice Hate Squad unites. And to give you a window into my world, I remember year one. So for those playing out, you had outside of New South Wales, you had kindergarten, then year one, and I was teacher's pet because I was the only one in the class that liked licorice as well. And so she would give me the 30 cents to run down to the canteen mid-class. I get time out of class to buy six sticks of licorice for five cents a piece. So I am forever in debt to to licorice. And for those of you who who know me, you'd be very surprised that I was a teacher's pet because I'm a real rebellious sort of of character. Sure. uh, We'll have none of this licorice hate. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Big up, Scotty. Yeah, you're, you're such a tough you. guy. How, how do we teach us? Teach us the ways. <laughs> you fucking bad boy. Be still my heart. <laughs> um, All right. Can I ask a question about your experience at Kilhoman? Um, So what did you do day-to-day there to learn? I think all of us in Australia would dream for that sort of experience. Yeah, so we rocked up day one um, and they just asked, you know, what do you want to do? Um, So it was really weird. And we said, oh, we'll go into the still house and the first week can be in the still house and we'll, you know, learn bits and pieces of, of this and and then every time we said oh well we want to learn you know what you're doing at that warehouse over there so John McClellan would pack us up in his car and he'd drive us over and we'd sample out of the casts and he'd show us all about their rotation policy and how everything worked um, we got to sit down at his desk and go through all of the numbers and how you know I, I've still got um, all of their operating manual handwritten notes from uh, Bunny and also uh, Kilhoman on my phone I've got I know the size of absolutely every vessel they've got you know what each distiller is getting paid in pounds I you know I know everything about Kilhoman uh, for the little while that we were there uh, and it was absolutely amazing at the end of it we had, I mean while we were there I think we we're at Kilhoman six weeks um, we actually lived with John McClellan, um, you know, amazing experience just in itself. Um, and then from there, he'd say, oh, do you want to go to that distillery or this distillery? Um, yeah, it was really, really good. We went to a um, vote yes for independence uh, Scotland meeting in early 2014. Uh, and because we're an Isla, all the distilleries um, were, you know, wanting independence because they were paying so much excise. Um, so they all brought along whiskey to get extra members in there. And there was some of the rarest, like just beautiful oh, whiskies that I've never <laughs> seen ever before in my life. And I was like, what, what is this place? But everyone drank whiskey and, you know, put their uh, – voice forward as to why they should be independent and the distillers were saying you know we're paying this much in tax we could have a amazing road system uh, but the whiskey there was just phenomenal <laughs> wow. and, and their, their collections like the, the distillers out on island they're yeah, a different breed of distillers on, on mainland scotland like the, the collections personal and company that they have like i i remember being with david turner from Bamore, and we just sort of sat in his office and he opened up this cupboard and it's just it's, it's kid you know kid the candy store it's just like the the things that he was just putting out it's like oh this is you know that's some 60s by more deluxe so like, that's pretty good it's like that's some you know, 1950s x that's some of this and he's just mm. like, do you want to try that yeah try that come on give this a go yeah why not it's just like now, and this, this is his own collection, let alone what the distillery has in, in their sort of back catalogue of storage as well. So, 
Oh, definitely. The other thing that happens there is, you know, the guy who was carting away all the the spent grain, um, he didn't drink a lot of whiskey, but they'd always give him whiskey on top of it. So he's had it, and we, by chance, ran into him um, on the first week we were there. So every Sunday we used to go around to his place for, um, you know, a Sunday roast. Um, And, you know, the first week it was just him and his wife, and then the second week it was his son because his son was like, what? this is ridiculous. You don't just run into two Aussies learning how to make whiskey on the Isla. And then the week after it was his son plus his friend at the pub. And, you know, by the end of it, the six weeks, we had like a dozen people there that just wanted to come and meet these two idiot Australians learning how to make whiskey. Like, and some of the stories they had, the whiskey they were bringing along, it's like, that is they're just the most absolutely ludicrous thing. They found um, that one of them was an excavator driver and he was doing some work at Ardbeg uh, and there was a tree that they needed knocking down and um, they actually dug the tree up and underneath it were these um, really, really old bottles from, they reckon, the 40s. and they reckon there was about six or seven in there. And there was a distiller that they supposedly uh, was trying to hide the whiskey and take it home to, to give to someone else. So we got to try that. And, you know, just wow. rare things that never see the light of day from these this little village uh, you know, on Isla. It's just, yeah, incredible. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And one one thing that I've always loved about Coral, you're not alone in the Australian industry by doing this, is the whiskey you make down there is a whiskey you've placed. You're using, like, barley from around the area, using casks from you know, the types of wines that are made around the area. And that's something that Kilhoman do as well. Um, mm. you know, they make a, a whiskey that's very much from and influenced by either. And it leads into a very good question we've had on the chat here from Jesse Morgan. He says, what process did you learn in, in Scotland that you use most in Australia? Like whether it's distilling or ageing or like even networking, like what could you learn from a very different part of the world that works really well here? I'll just jump in here and say thank you, Jesse. You can do our job next week as well and you tune in at 7.30 and ask the question for us yeah Jess is in done <laughs> great question um I, th- I think the thing that we I most took away from um kill home and especially is that you can release whiskey in Scotland in Australia you know quite young you don't want to make a habit of doing it too regularly but kill home and their Mackia Bay when we were over there they were releasing that at you know three years three and a half years um you know and they had their process and it was all about process it's not about um you know and even to where they do the cuts out of the still it's not about sitting in there on the end of the hose and and drinking it saying oh it's nearly getting close to the the fours or the faints or whatever it might be there's a process stick to the process that's exactly what you're trying to do um so that's probably what i took away from the most you know write everything down because otherwise you know in in our business as well we employ 34 staff we're not just a mum and dad team uh, trying to you know make our way in the world we, we've got a lot of um, families that rely on us to continually um, keep going so if one person goes down for whatever reason someone else steps in and um, you know similar to a fo- football team Scott you know you've got to have foot soldiers to uh, to make things work yeah um, just don't play in the pocket don't be the cleaner no one likes a pocket you know Bo Shield if you're listening pockets they're no good <laughs> Uh, Dean, just a, just a quick one on, on that as well, of just that topic of young whiskey. Uh, a, a lot of that was sort of helped by the fact that Kilhoman sort of pioneered along with Dr. Jim Swan the, the STR technique and, and focusing on that. Is that something that you've looked at, STR being the shave, toast, rechar, treatment of casks to rejuvenate and, and, and to like predominantly wine cask rejuvenation? Is that something that you've looked at as well in terms of cask treatment and, and wood policy, sort of m- like mirroring and learning from that and, and applying that locally as well? Or 
Yeah, look, a little bit. Um, we obviously live in such a, a rich, fortified region in here where we've got great access to really quality casks. Mm. Um, you know, so we're very fortunate in that respect. Um, yeah, shave, toast, rechar, look, you know, all of those sorts of things. We, we live and breathe by that. But a lot of it is, you know, the quality of the cask and how it smells before it goes in, uh, the new mate goes into it. That's, um, you know, we, we take an approach that every cask matters, um, you know, and it, the cask ultimately is what gives us the most amount of flavour. We we grow our own barley. We get it malted at, um, at Witten or Voyager Malt, um, you know, and then it comes to us. We mash it ourselves. We ferment it. We put the love and the romance into making whiskey in a, a beautiful old building, but it's nothing without the cask and the quality of cask. So I think it's really important to be able to, um, you know, to have a great cask. Yep. Okay, cool. Anthony was probably, the, I know because he was one of the first distillers to sort of be opening a new distillery in Scotland for a seriously long time, but I remember him going around with you know, new make spirit, one-year-old spirit, you know, 18-month, two-year spirit, and wandering around certainly Europe, you know, sampling this to, to crowds and hosting tastings where normally people are there showing, you know, he's our 12-year-old, he's our 15, he's our 18, our 24, our 30. And he's like, this one's 12 months, this one's 18, and this one's, you know, and it's you know, a really kind of youthful progression of their, their whiskey. And it changed people's opinion on, you know, whiskey at a young age for sure. Did that help in Australia? Because obviously there's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Australian whiskey is, is much more on the youthful side, but, you know, aided by the climate. But did that help change perceptions in Australia when you've got distillers that are bringing out young liquids, kind of change the consumer perception that you can have whiskey of that age? Uh, me, I think it helped uh, extremely well. I think a lot of Australian distilleries wanted to do that, but they were just probably that little bit nervous. Um, you know, they weren't big enough to sort of break that shackles in the mould and say, well, this is what I make, this is who I am, and this is what I'm a part of. Kill Homan doing it early on, you know, and even for us, Kill Homan, they, they sent this really nice bar and they said, look, you know, you make really good whiskey, make sure it tastes great and release it then. Um, and I think it was really good to see that. And it helped, in my opinion, it probably helped the whole Australian industry um, grow quicker. I think um, it, it leads into quite a good question about, you know, Cora in terms of the range of products you, you guys produce. I think someone mentioned in the chat they were drinking on a Mad Dog Morgan, which is the musket cask release. There's Oscar Verde, you know, which is port. There's sherry. There's all different types of things. And you do have the, this premium single barrel period. But then you've also got the characters, which is about a, a $90 um, 43% off the top of my head is 43 46%. 46. 46. 46, even better. 46% um, release. So, I mean, how have you found the, the appetite for people in being like that youthfulness being relatively premium, but then also being entry level? Look, for us, we had a business model before we even made um, whiskey and we knew what we were going to release, how we were going to release it, um, you know, and we, we've stuck to our guns there. So, you know, other people have their markets and they sort of, to me, chop and change around a little bit. We knew that we needed an entry-level um, whiskey sub $100 and we knew that it was going to be wine cast based on our region. Um, so having that, you know, $90 bottle um, really, you know, does help with getting our name out there and moving a significant amount of whiskey. Um, but then, you know, we've got those those musket casts and the port casts and all the rest of it um, as a 46% core range. So there's currently five in that core range. 
But then on top of that, so March long weekend uh, down here, we're actually releasing a single cask musket version. So it's essentially a mad dog um, cask strength version. And to drink that side by side with the the actual core range mad dog, it, it, they're so different. Um, you know, yes, they've still got that musket characteristic, but this single cask is just like, it's phenomenal. It is, you know, you can't even describe it. It's just so good to drink. It's, you know, liquid gold, just a higher percentage uh, than a regular musket, whatever they are, 17%. It's, yeah, it's so good. I'll get you a bottle. Uh, there, there you go. I'll donate a bottle to the, um, you know, oh, there's your first. There's sponsorship. sponsorship. There. there it is. There it is. Sponsorship. There you go. Guaranteed, Coral will be mentioned in every live stream. <laughs> Everyone else, you had your chance. What is that all it takes? One bottle and you get constant mentions? What's this? <laughs> well, no, first bottle. I've been giving Scotty merchandise for years. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like, you don't necessarily want me wearing merchandise at 2 a.m. In, in Sydney, so that, that's a little yeah, bit different. Yeah, I do get a few messages at 3 a.m. Um, there's a guy wandering around Sydney with your merch on. <laughs> I know I'll who it definitely, is. I'll definitely take the merch and I will wear it well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Not you, Alex. Not at 2am. Um, okay, so I have a question um, that I love asking all distillers. Talk dirty to me. What what stills are you running? Yeah, so we're running uh, burn stills one and two. We actually designed them ourselves while we were at Kilhoman. Um, my dad's really, you know, not an engineer, but he does a lot of that style of thing, uh, and he's a really good drawer. So he drew the Kilhoman stills and you know, got their technical drawings and copied them. And when we got back, we modified them to exactly the way we wanted them. But they're they're very close to a kill home and still. So they're a 3,200 litre wash still and they're a 2,200 litre spirit still uh, that run into their own separate uh, hard-lined low wines receiver and spirit receiver that then we barrel off. We're not sitting on the end of the hose sucking on it, uh, Julian. Don't worry. (laughs) Are Kill Homans still running on the same size stills when they started, or if they? No, they've got new ones. So they've set up a whole new um, distillery setup, and it's very fancy. I don't know if Coral will ever get that fancy, but um, we can only hope. The the, the Kill Homan example was it's the, it's a second set, but it's the same size as the first set, isn't it? Yeah, to my knowledge, I mean, I haven't. Uh, I still keep in contact with the guys, but I haven't been keeping that close of an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Matt, you might know. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. It was a second set of stills, uh, still house sort of located just to the right left of where the existing one was, which I saw when I was there last, which was um, about the same. Uh, it's the same as the existing set, but so they can maintain the the, the output, mm. the, the style, rather than going bigger and better. You know, rather than expanding the size of the stills and changing the spirit quality entirely. I think mm. when I was there, they were built. There was a lot of building works going on mm. at the distillery. Mm. Sp- speaking of Bigger and builder and, and building works. Um, thank you for that segue, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we did allude to the fact that uh, there was a news crew at Corowa Distillery earlier on today, and we didn't know about that until our um, till friend of the stream, Robbie Tucknot from uh, from Barrel Brokers, uh, put it up on on his social media. Um, but is there an announcement about maybe something coming between between you two that? <laughs> Can be revealed or maybe can't be revealed. I, I don't know. No, oh, look, we don't. Uh, we don't have any secrets down here in Coro. If you ask questions, we'll answer them. Um, okay. What was it all about then? So, <laughs> Robbie's been sniffing around Coro for a little while now, um, and he wants to set up a cooperage uh, and. 
I like the idea of having a cooperage in town because, um, you know, it obviously helps us out and also the wineries and any other distillery in our local area. So I have great access to, um, you know, Rutherglen fortified barrels, Griffith fortified barrels, all these sorts of things. So, um, you know, Robbie sort of, uh, we've teamed up a little bit and we're going to build a big uh, building out the front and put a cooperage in there. We've got uh, some, we're trying to get coopers from within Australia, but we're also bringing a, uh, a fair load of um, coopers from uh, Scotland. So there'll be some uh, nice master coopers from Scotland coming over and uh, we look forward to having them here hopefully mid this year. Wow, that's huge news. Yeah. Well, it, it is, but it's also it's going to be a better news because it's going to be very interactive. So, you know, you don't need to be someone in the industry. You can just rock up and, you know, ask a cooper and they're going to have the time of day and you can do a cooper for the day course, char your own barrels, whatever, you know, you might want to be. But then you can walk into a distillery afterwards. Um, you know, you can walk through our warehouses. We're very open and honest with uh, exactly what we do. So uh, we think it's going to be a really nice little mix. Um, maybe a uh, whiskey roundtable could uh, be live from the cooperage one day. Yeah, that sounds good. Yes. But yeah, we're in. I'm just currently on seek looking for jobs in Corowa right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. She's, she's kidding. Corowa, you should yeah. be fine. She, she's um, kidding, but she's also not kidding. So, yeah, anyway, as you were. <laughs> kidding about that. <laughs> it's been a bit of an interesting time with the pandemics. You, you were quite close to the, the border, like literally, you know, drop punt distance to, to the border. Um, certain states have gone into lockdown and come out of lockdown and, and that sort of thing. In Sydney, we've seen an exodus of people moving out to regional areas. I know my friends out in the central west are saying it's, you know, mudgy orange, you've been busier than it ever been. How, how have you handled as a distillery that's not only, you know, a distillery on the border and presumably some people might of your workers might come from Victoria and the other side and, and then the, the tourist trade and, and people like Alex looking for houses and jobs all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's been really tough. The, the housing market, Alex, is not great news. It's gone up about 30% in the last eight months. Um, but fortunately, the house prices were already really cheap to start with. So sort of <laughs> I just want to play out. with copper, copper and barrels, like, and I'm a happy girl. <laughs> oh, put a swag next to the still, you'll be fine. Uh, other than that, like, yeah, we're a couple of hundred metres off the, the border here um, where I am right now. Um, and it has been really tough. Um, so as you alluded to, we're not just a distillery. We're a chocolate factory. We do, you know, we've, we've got a cafe restaurant that's open 364 days of the year. Um, wow. It's, you know, it's, it, there's more to it. Um, we do weddings. We lost 53 weddings last year um, when we average, I think it's 120 guests per wedding. Um, so getting married in a, in a distillery, um, you know, is a lot of people's dreams and COVID uh, really crushed the, that dream uh, for a lot of people this year. So we, as of uh, this Saturday, we're actually going to do our second wedding for this year. Uh, and it today didn't, the start of today, it didn't look like going ahead and by sort of lunchtime we were uh, up and going so it was all hands on deck so 145 people are coming from Victoria to Corolla and we'll get married and hopefully not bring COVID with them. Yeah wow. Mm. When I was travelling back across uh, the border so I went over actually went over the border twice but that was accidental 
because I went the wrong way. Um, so uh, I came over at a Tuka and instantly between Tuka and Moama, the difference between driving through a Tuka, getting into Moama, uh, we stopped to get coffee on the way because apparently there was a really good bakery there. And the, I'm not kidding, 50 metres, 50 to 100 metres, no masks on, everyone sitting at cafes. It was just such a huge, huge comparison just for that 100 metres. And then also driving back on the freeway, uh, there was absolutely no traffic, zero traffic heading towards Melbourne, um, such an easy run. And I can actually actually imagine the damage it's done to these tiny little towns, uh, especially around the border, because you, if you can't cross it, like you've got so, so much of a mm. beautiful area just close to the border, like, for example, Echuca, mm. um, you just can't cross. Yeah, no, look, it's it's been really tough for a lot of people uh, on the border. And there's other towns that, you know, I've already been doing it tough, like um, our little friends up at Yak and Danda, you know, they're, they're already small people and they're struggling with everything. Now they're trying to set up their distillery and, you know, they're, they're forced to um, put back their uh, their official launch uh, over and over again. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing it tough and not just on the border, you know, elsewhere as well. So, um, you know, drink more whiskey, eat more chocolate, be merry and have fun. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> and I was actually, that's what really upsets me. Like I was literally meant to be at the distillery right now um, at the backwards with their new new stills and it just would have been beautiful. But all those plans keep getting cancelled back and forth. Hmm. Um, for, for those who might be watching this or listening uh, back to this in the future, we are recording this on um, on, the, on Wednesday the 17th of February and this was actually uh, also a snap lockdown in Victoria for five days after an outbreak and good news today is that the lockdown in for the majority is, is repealing back from, I think, midnight tonight. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong for those. So um, this is sort of the, the world where we're living in, in, in at the moment. Um, I think it, it might be about time to delve into some philosophical questions uh, and maybe ask, see if we can throw some curveballs at, at Dino, um, if, if we're all ready for that. Um, of course, our friends and sponsors, and when I say sponsors, I say uh, me, essentially, because I'm, I'm trying to get someone to come in and take this space off me um, and donate a bottle of Jack Daniels each week or a bottle of Buffalo Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> so the, this, this, this sponsor's yet to send us whiskey, merch or chocolate. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm keen for a new one, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. He does, uh, does edit the podcast, though, so uh, you know, that's just <laughs> things in perspective. So, um, Dean, I don't think you haven't completed a, a Proust questionnaire, and, yes, again, I know it's Proust, but I'm Australian and I call it Proust. Um, so a, a question adapted to whiskey based off the old parlour game. Did anyone have a question, a philosophical question about whiskey from the, the Proust list that they wanted to throw to Dean, or shall I grab one at random? Grab one at random and then I'll load one up. Okay, so we got one loaded up, one, one in the chamber. Um, you can tell she's been at the farm, hasn't she, recently? Um, and I'm going to pick one at random, have a quick scroll through here. What is your happiest whiskey memory, Dean Drews? Uh, my happiest whiskey memory 
I think was there's probably two um, whiskey coming out of our stills or new made spirit coming out of our stills for the first time. You know, the, the, the process we went through was a six year renovation, designing our own stills. We, you know, everything went into that. Uh, it was a really proud sort of uh, almost like the, the shackles had been uh, lifted off your shoulders um, sort of moment. Um yeah, like oh, I found that really good. The other one probably would be working at Kill Home and seeing things go wrong um, because you then realise, you know, these are guys that have pumped a lot of money in here. They know what they're doing. John McClellan's been making whiskey for, geez, a long time and things go wrong. Like, and they're not just little little things going wrong. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a proud moment and kind of sad at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Anyone on the panel have a, a happiest whiskey moment that comes to mind? I think Matt Bailey is is jumping out of the. Oh chair well, actually, I just had the next, I had another I had a Proust question I wanted to ask. So no, but I'll let I'll yeah. let you go ahead though. No, 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 no. Let, let's let's jump into the next question. Let's uh, let's let's while he's in an answering mood, let's keep him tied down. <laughs> no, no. Well, Dean, I want to ask you, what do you appreciate least in a whiskey? I appreciate it's probably not so much in the whiskey itself. It's just terrible, like, labels and marketing. And I just find, like, yeah, some people try and flog the same dead horse. They they do maybe one photo shoot and have two good photos, and they just keep punching them in front of your face. And you think, like, what the hell is that? Like, mm. Go and take something on your iPhone or, you know, just just invest the time and money. So it's probably not so much in the whiskey itself. It's more so the, the background business side of things um, that I really it pissed me off. And sometimes I verbalize it and it doesn't go very well for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I, you see a lot of crappy labels and a lot of a, a lot of bad marketing. Don't worry. That's 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 the game. Yeah. That is an excellent answer. That's the sort of answer that these sort of questions are meant to like arise out of people. Because my answer to this is very simple. I least appreciate in a whiskey if Matt Bailey's pouring it because it means I probably need to sit around and talk to him while I drink it. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. It's been it's been a while since you've had a chance to rib me on something, so that's good. Well done, well done. So perfect. It was just sitting there. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give I'll give a plug for for Corazon. The 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 video of your distillery and the history and, and that um, is superb. I think it's actually, yeah, as a marketing geek and then loving all that kind of branding stuff, it's, I implore everyone to go and watch that video about the, the history of Coro because it, it is both entertaining, informative, you know, exciting. It's, it's everything that, you know, content should be. Um, and I remember watching that just thinking, this is really good. Um, so, well done. Thank you, Andy. And the good thing that we like about that video is, you know, one, that's at our distillery, but two, that it's there's nothing that's not real. You know, I met Bo on a football field. There's just all that stuff that happened in there. It's all true. Yeah. Um, I've just, I just posted that link into the various channels um, to, uh, although it didn't seem to go live, but I'll post it again in the various places if I need to. <laughs> Alex? Who is the whiskey love of your life? Ooh, shit. Uh, I don't know. 
A lot of people would say that I love myself too much to be able to be capable of loving anyone else. Unbelievable. Which <laughs> Unbelievable. It's is fairly, well, you know, when you're running a lot, like, it's, it's a bit happening. Um, <laughs> who else is there? Uh, oh, shit. I don't know. Um, Rob, I can hear Robbie in the background yelling him. Um well, there was a comment from uh, Lee Atwood from the Backwards Distillery um, who may have made a claim about six months ago on this very podcast that he taught you everything he knew, um, or everything that you know, rather. And then uh, also uh, it, it came up tonight that he might have – he's a bit afraid that he's left him for, for Robbie and maybe him moving in for a week maybe is the way to go as well. There's a lot of jealousy from both Robbie and Lee towards each other. Um, it, look, it definitely does happen. Um, it, you know, there's a lot more story to that uh, Lee Atwood and Bree Atwood uh, sort of scenario there. Um, during lockdown, you know, we still had a distillery that was running and I would go up and visit them on the weekends and say hello um, to the point where they actually talked to their kids about, um, you know, if something unfortunately happened to them, there would be a will and, you know, where the, the distillery would happen and they said so what would happen to the distillery and the, the, the kids said so Dean would get it yeah right like Dean gets our distillery and runs and I said oh that's but that was only because I was giving them chocolate every single time I came up there so you you, you know you've got to grease a few wheels here and there Bribe, bribe, the, bribe the right people and the things come the right way. So. That's exactly. You put the work in early and it all pays off in the end. I think someone threatened earlier in the thread in one of the comments, um, be careful, I'll leave you out of the will. So that explains that comment, yeah. It'll be brief. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so the answer's you, basically. I... <laughs> It's a hard question. Yeah, look, I want to get a better answer for you, but look, let's just go with um, John McClellan. I think John McClellan had a big impact on me. Um, Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, The the stuff that he knew and how open and willing he was to share exactly, Mm. uh, you know, with me. I've got some really great uh, footage and, um, you know, pictures sitting with John McClellan, sitting, drinking all night and, uh, you know, very dear memories. Uh, He left a lasting impression on me. So, um, yeah, let's go with him. I I think maybe onto a point we made last episode was that we're putting people really under the spotlight when we ask these questions. Maybe we need to make it a thing that once you've been on the stream, we send you the the Prowse questions so you can get a listing on the website and you can take your time with them. I think that probably needs to to happen. But I do Um, also like joust with Prowse. (laughs) (laughs) I I do like that that sort of concept. Maybe that's the questionnaire and this is the joust with Prowse. But, I mean, was, uh, outside of Australia, that 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 it's just going to sound like joust with Proust, and it's going it, to no, nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> I, I thought I thought Monty Python did it all. That Monty Python always referred to it as Proust, didn't they? I don't know. You're old. Maybe that was the joke that I didn't get because it was Proust. <laughs> <laughs> Monty Python have got 30 years on that joke on you. There you go. You, you just got rolled. Um, I can I can say we, we, we're coming towards the end of proceedings, but I have managed to polish off. I've got one gob left in cast 250, um, which was uh, was one of only 163 from your um, from from that particular barrel. You mentioned that coming up, you do have a single cask uh, release in, in a musket barrel. 
Um, are you go- are we going to see a lot of single cast releases this year, or is that going to be paired back a bit? Or yeah, so we released twelve single cast releases from June twenty twenty to Christmas. Um, so quite a, a huge amount. Um, oh, there's Robbie. Hey, uh, uh, there he is. Those uh, listening back on the podcast, Robbie Tucknot has appeared in the background with a couple of uh, kids as well and a few tongues out. And they are his. I can confirm they're his kids. Uh, <laughs> he didn't find them in Corowa. Um, yeah, so we released 12 single casts in six months. Uh, they're all sold out, Barb, what's uh, out there in the, the marketplace. Um, and we, to some degree, we got a little bit lazy this year. So we haven't even thought about, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think everyone's just on holidays and enjoying a good time in Corowa not been in lockdown. So March, whatever the uh, March long weekend is uh, down here, we're going to release a musket single cask. And then after that, there'll be more. How many? Who knows? Like, yeah. We'll go with the flow down here in Corowa. There's no great rush. Mm. And just for those listening and playing at home, um, where can we get our hands on your wonderful whiskey? <clears throat> Look, you can definitely get it uh, in Sydney's leading uh, bottle shop, The Oak Barrel. Um, and we're very uh, proud supporters and now sponsors of the Oak Barrel. So you know, whatever else you need, pull the other one. Uh, so, so you're just you're just you're just sponsoring him and not the rest of it. Sorry, is that Oak Barrel sponsorship, not a roundtable sponsor? Everyone. Oh, okay. So the, the merchandise was an Oak Barrel sponsorship. You know the the free bottle of booze that we're going to split up, um, but it's going to be delivered to the Oak Barrel. So we'll see how we go splitting that one up. Um, that's roundtable. And we'll get some merchandise your way too because we can't have you wearing uh, anything else. <laughs> um, I'm going to do a, a thing here as well. The uh, Whiskey Roundtable podcast, sponsored by whiskeyardent.com.au, uh, will be giving away uh, a bit of merchandise to next week's best comment, uh, a Corowa T-shirt. We'll uh, liaise with Dean um, on on what size that ever is. But next week's best comment on whatever next week looks like, we'll be throwing away a, a bit of bit of merch. Um, well, then we'll get in touch and we'll, and we'll we'll buy that. We'll buy that off Dean. We're going to buy that off Dean to give away to, to someone on next week's uh, podcast. That's something that's happened. I'll uh, give you all merchandise if you never wear anything from backwards. <laughs> Oh, I'm reading wow. this comment, and look, you play your cards how you want to, but that's that's how it's going to be. <laughs> um, and one more serious question: um, Any of your single releases or special releases? Is it just through your website that people can sign up to get the no- get the knowledge about that? Yeah, so on our website, uh, and but also from uh, the Oak Barrel as well. Um, you know. The website's definitely the best way to go and all of our socials, so, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook as well. Awesome. All right. Uh, de- definitely mothers can enter. Yes, mum. Mothers can I have enter. one kind of vi- vaguely Prouse-related question that was kind of what's your least favourite experience in a whiskey bar, but similar to that, but what's when you go into a bar and see your whiskey in a bar, how does it... What impact does it have? How does it make you feel? And then do you then get competitive and then wonder why it's not in the most prominent spot in the middle if it isn't already um, and then try and get them to move it? Uh, look, sometimes. Uh, for the most part, I just enjoy – I, contrary to popular belief, I like going into a bar and not – 
you know, people not knowing, you know, who, what I do, and that doesn't matter whether it's a whiskey bar anywhere. I like to, you know, fly under the radar and just uh, enjoy myself and who I'm with. Um, uh, very, okay, never do I go in there and say, oh, I'm Corowa and I do this and I do that. So uh, often it's other people we're with or, you know, whatever. Um, I enjoy sitting on the back bars and I enjoy sitting at the oak barrel on the shelf there. Um, you know, will I try and change the spots? No, because – I believe um, that they've got a business motto and they've got a business plan as to why that sits there and the, the thinking behind it. So, you know, as I do with every the way we design everything we do at work. So there's a reason why everything sits the way it does. There's a reason why the label is the way it is. Um, you know, you've got to trust in the process, I guess. Uh, again, another football thing, but you've got to trust the process that uh, that person has put in place. Uh, and if you're in that bar, you've got to believe that that's the best way that they can sell your product. But, but surely if we're, we're throwing out football idioms, then surely front and centre has to be best. Uh, not necessarily because it can always spill over the back, um, Scott, and you can pick up the easy one out the back. See, that, that's how, like, and for anyone listening not from Australia, when I was growing up playing Aussie rules football, getting front and centre of every contest was exactly where you needed to be. That's because you're a forward pocket. Uh, you know, no. I'm, I'm starting to think that the original sponsorship idea of getting Kayo was probably the best idea we've had because <laughs> the amount of sports talk that's going on in here is still is, is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> I've just seen a, a great comment there. It's the outward saying, can you get Korua underpants? And it sounds like a strange thing, but linking it back to Kilhoman, I remember colleagues of mine arriving on Isla and they lost their luggage on the flight. How you lose luggage on a flight to Isla is, is beyond me. It's the tiniest plane and it's you know, someone literally must have just thrown it on the you know the ground beforehand. I think normally you put your luggage on yourself. But the great thing about your home is that they sell everything down to underpants. And so we rocked up there really early in the morning, met a couple of the distillers and dressed our colleague in everything your home and down to the underpants because that's what they sold. So underpants are clearly a good thing to get. I we have actually Kilim and underpants. I do own one. I'm not wearing them right now, I don't think, but I do own them. <laughs> we actually um, toyed with the idea of um, doing uh, dreaded distiller. So our distillers got big, long dreads and uh, all the rest of it, as is on some of our merch. Uh, and we did think that on the front of the underpants, you know, a symbol with the dreads. But then we, when you start dialing it back, you think, oh, like, hmm. So we haven't done it yet, but um, Liat, would you be the first to know? Yeah, um, and it's it's not a sponsor of us, but it is a sponsor of, of maybe a, a cricket podcast that I listen to. Um, I know that another good Australian-owned uh, company um, and Australian-made products might be Budgie Smugglers, um, and they do offer an option where you can actually upload your own image to make your own Budgie Smugglers. Um, so if, if you do want Dean Druce on, on your budgie smugglers uh, or, or Bo League with his dreadlocks, I think uh, there is options <laughs> for that. Um, um, so we actually had a line of underwear designed ready to go for one of our bars, which is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, all ready to go with them. Um, unfortunately, the, the business closed, uh, but we even had a G-string cannon ready to go. <laughs> which would have been super awesome. And I think it's a great idea for merchandising for distilleries. Do they get seen much? And if so, are they the right people that you want in them? (laughs) You don't think I'm going to look good in this? 
It's not look, denying you won't look good in them, but uh, do you want to see Scott's ass hanging out at 3 a.m. in the morning and they go, ooh, kiss, bang, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, great bar, love it. They're only, they're only, noticing, that? That if, they're only noticing that if they see the Corowa T-shirt above it. <laughs> this is all true. Budgie smugglers, though. Um, Everyone looks good in budgie smugglers. What, what what a surprise! After about an hour, this stream has got into very serious and responsible. <laughs> Dean, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know it's been a, a really tough year, um, but on, on a really serious note, um, you guys went down there and you, you dipped your toes in, into whiskey, and you did it the right way. And you're employing a lot of people in the town, and I think that's really important. But also, you're doing things very differently. You're making whiskey from a, a, a barley um, that is grown locally that no one else in the world is distilling from. As far as I'm concerned, I've tried a lot of releases. I've tried a lot of progress reports and a lot of releases. Every Corowa I try, whether it's a single cask or even the same um, core line, every batch for me of characters of Mad Dog, of Bosca Verde, they get better every time. So I think it's a testament to, to yourself, the family, and the whole team there. Um, it's exciting. Times and I, I want to thank you not only for your time but your hospitality. Not only when you welcome people to to the region, but also just when you uh, when you meet it at various conferences and fairs and panels. As you know, whiskey fair when you've had a table, people do always come back and give feedback to me. The Corowa table was always a really nice place to be. So thank you very much for um, for everything you've done and, and long may it continue. We're happy to do whatever you want to run, Scott. We uh, you know are always happy to be a part of it. Beauty. Wonderful. Well, Thanks I'm, so I'm much, taking, I'm, again, I'm getting that clip when you go, Scott, I can't do this. It was like, well, you said. Um, <laughs> 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 Thanks right, so much, guys. Dean. Well, wonderful. Thank you very much. We'll see you back at the same time next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Any comments or want to get in touch, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook at Whiskey Roundtable.